0: actually really excited about tonight, Um, this is a really fun message. Um, Over the past few weeks, we've been laying out our threads, right? We've been talking about threads a lot. So laying out the threads of your gifts and your talents, the threads of your suffering, um, and also your passions, and all of those threads have one thing in common. Those threads are never changing because they make up our foundation, our identity, who we are. But these last two threads, the threads of our people and the threads of our places, these are two threads that are going to be constantly changing in our lives. But before we dive into these two threads, I thought it was important that we first have to have the proper framework. And I know we hear a lot about, not only in this message, but if you've been in Christian circles for more than five minutes, or these days, purpose and calling are talked about a lot. You hear those two words a lot, right? And sometimes they're kind of used interchangeably, and you're like, if you were to go and try to explain that to, I don't know, like a fifth grader, what's the difference between purpose and calling? You would probably have kind of the same answer. They actually have two different meanings. So I thought it was important before we dive into the threads of your people and places to really have a good understanding of what purpose and what calling is. So purpose is an intentional aim, the reason for which something is done, or for which something or someone exists. And we actually see purpose given here by Jesus in Matthew 22 through the great commandment. When he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Then when it comes to calling, calling actually says that your calling is to make a request or a demand And this is done by God, to invite to meet, to command, to come and be present and arise from sleep. I loved that definition. A strong inner prompting to bring into action. So you see there's definitely a contrast there. And we see calling explained in the Great Commission. When Jesus gives us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, Jesus came up and said to them, go therefore. Go and make disciples. So what is your purpose? To love God, to love others. And what is your calling? To make him known. To love God, to love others, and to make him known. That simplifies it a lot for us, doesn't it? So later in John 13, Jesus is actually washing the feet of his disciples, washing the feet of the one who is fixing to go in a few hours betray him. And Jesus takes the great commandment and he raises the bar. So when it was, love your neighbor as yourself, now Jesus tells us, love others as I have loved you. It's a big difference. Because some of us can say, well some days I may or may not love myself. But then to go and love others as he has loved me, I mean, that's a high bar. So where is the love though? You might be thinking in this world today when you look around. And I know for me, I just kind of start thinking about that song. Where is the love? I'll I'll spare you the rest because I don't do worship. Um, But where are you feeling the love today? Where are you not feeling the love today? And if you're a lot like me, anyone in here, I mean, at some point, all of us have felt super lonely before, right? And if you can raise your hand, everyone in here has felt lonely before. But some of us in here, I have to know. I don't have to know. I know. Are feeling lonely tonight. Right now, where you are, you find yourself in a lonely season. Harvard Health actually performed a 75-year study of men that concluded that loneliness is toxic. And I don't think anybody in here would challenge that statement. They found that when it comes to the impact on quality of life and life satisfaction, loneliness has an equivalent risk factor to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Decreasing one's lifespan by at least eight years. And the more isolated people are, the less happy they are, obviously. We didn't have to do the study to find that out. But brain function actually rapidly declines as well as someone's physical health. The American Civil Liberties Union is now actually urging the Human Rights Council to take concrete and appropriate measures to end the egregious violations of solitary confinement by those incarcerated. It's actually being considered a human rights issue to have someone in isolation for that long. But while isolation is due to the size of your social network, loneliness is a feeling that we experience regardless of the size of our social network. Isn't it funny that you can find yourself in a huge room of people, huge sea of people, and still feel really lonely. And how many times have you taken your phone out and just scrolled and scrolled for hours, engaging with people on the other side, only to put your phone down, and you still don't feel any less lonely than you did before, right? The study also concluded that true, authentic, face-to-face Social interaction not only enables us to thrive, but gives us resilience. So, the support of our family, our friends, our coworkers, or our caregivers allows us to celebrate our experiences, but to weather our pains and to be able to face each day as we journey forward. We were meant to do life together, we were created for relationship. As much as we are created to run our race, we were created to run our race with other people. So when it comes to the threads of your people, who do you need? Who do you need and who needs you? Because you have to know that when it comes to the threads of your people, your people matter. Throughout the series, you have heard over and over again that you have been called to run your race. That you have been created to run your race. And we've had this verse, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, that has kind of laid the foundation for us for the whole series. And each each time that we've been up here that we've spoken about this um, set of verses. So if you have not looked at it yet, I definitely encourage you to take a look because it's one of my favorite verses. But it says, when it comes to the people... In our lives, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We were meant to run our race together. So who do you need? Do we have any runners in here? Anybody on Bayshore or wherever can find you in the morning? So I actually used to run many years ago and did a couple of half marathons, but I knew that when I started running that I was gonna need someone to run with. Someone who had been at this a little bit longer, someone that I knew that would encourage me and someone that I knew that would make sure that I would show up on the corner at 5.30 a.m. every single morning, because if I was gonna be training for a half marathon, then I had to show up. I knew I needed someone to coach me along the way. So when it comes to running your race, you will need your people. And I have a couple challenges for you tonight, but the first one that I have for you is who do you intentionally have in your life that you receive from? Who do you intentionally have in your life that you receive from? Because we need people who are further along in their races to mentor us, who will remind us, one, that it is worth it, because I know I need to hear that often. It's going to be worth it. Two, to confirm the gifts and the talents that you have. And then three, to call you out sometimes, to show you where your blind spots are or where you're missing the mark. The Bible is actually very clear about us needing our people. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it said, let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together. You guys should give yourselves a round of applause. You did not neglect our meeting together tonight because obviously this is important to you and it is important for all of us in our races to show up. So not only do we need people who are further along in their races, but we also need people to run with us, side by side, to remind us to keep showing up. To remind us and empower us to keep moving. So when I ran my first half marathon, I had my best girl Angela by my side, and she was much faster than me, but she ran with me. She helped me to keep up my pace, and she just stood by me, and when we came to those last five miles, she shot forth, and I was like, go, get it done. And nothing felt better than those last couple of miles knowing how far I had come and that I was almost there. But I don't know necessarily if I would have made it that far to the end without someone who chose to run with me. Hebrews twelve twelve through 13 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So not only do we need our running coaches and our mentors, and not only do we need our running partners, but we have to remember that in our race that there are other people running behind us. There are other people watching how you are running your race. So who needs you? Who needs you? I remember once I was running with my aunt, and she's one of those crazy like literal no days off kind of people. She's one of those ultra marathon runners that goes out and runs like 50, 120 miles. And I'm pretty sure she literally never goes over her eight minute mile still when she's running those. So she's a little loco. You have to be kind of loco to be an ultra marathon person. And she would accept that, it's okay. Um, but I remember once we went out to run, and it was super hot, I knew it was gonna be tough. And I knew when we got out there that I was gonna lose her soon. So we did, we went out there, we're running, we're doing our thing, and I lost her. She ran far, far ahead. But then after that, she circled back around. She circled back around and she came beside me to make sure that I didn't get lost. But also she kind of shared a couple tricks that she had learned along the way. Stuff to get her to the next level. And she shared also these like electrolyte gummy things that are supposed to kind of just get you to power through to the next level. But even though she kept running her race, she still kept getting her miles in and keeping up her pace, she made sure to circle back around and make sure that I did not quit. So my second challenge to you tonight, not only who do you receive from or who do you need in your life to receive from, but who are you being intentional about giving to? Who are you being intentional about giving back to? Because when it comes to running our race, we have the responsibility to show others behind us how to persevere, and that it's worth it, and it can be done. See, being a mentor does not require you to run perfectly. In matter of fact, I don't think anybody in here would want someone who is a mentor to pretend like they have it all together, because we're all just kind of winging this thing, right? We're all trying to figure it out. Some of us are just a little bit further ahead of in their race than we are in ours. Um, But you don't have to be running long either to find out that people are messy, right? So if we're going to be intentional with the threads of our people about who we receive from and who we give to, we have to remember that people are messy, that it's going to be messy. Sometimes I think that we even have these subconscious lists that we put up in our head, this A, B, and C, and if you don't meet A, B, and C, either in that order. If you fall short in any of those areas, then I just don't know if it's going to work out. We can tend to do that. But people are messy. People are imperfect. And all the people that you're going to meet along your race are going to be imperfect and require varying amounts of grace. And to be honest, in my circles, (laughs) I'm probably one of the people that requires the most amount of grace, to be honest. So I'm a DI on the DISC test, and I'm an Enneagram 8, and if I've totally lost all of you and you have no idea what any of that means, be sure to message us on social media. We'd love to send over those personality tests for you if you love that kind of thing. But in my not so finer states, in my weaknesses, I have a tendency to be very insensitive, very direct, very impulsive, and Hal and I are actually the same. So hashtag pray for your pastors. We are the same personality. <laughs> it was actually just this last weekend that one of my really good friends, one of my best friends, called me out. And it was something that was done about a week or two ago. I had just flippantly like sent her a text with a book having to do with something that is very sensitive to what she is walking through right now and something that she's really been fighting through to understand for a while. And me, I just kind of like sent it with no context, no like, hey, I heard a friend read this and they loved it. It was a really great resource. Just sent like the link to the text. So when a week goes by and I haven't heard a response from my best friend, I do what all of us do and we haven't heard from our friends and we do that question mark right over the text bubble. And she responded a few minutes later, and she said, I'm really still trying to process why you thought it was okay to send that to me. And I just felt like, wow. Like, at first, I kind of got, like, defensive. Like, I'm hurt. I'm offended now. You know, like, she should know better. She should know who I am. She should know my personality. But what I really love about my friend is that she cared enough about our friendship to call me out instead of quit. Because how many friends have we had in our lives where either we got offended or we caused the offense and then it was just uncomfortable and we walked away. We need people in our lives who will call us out and we need to be people who in those times where we are the one being called out to practice humility to know that we're not always gonna get it right either. Right? She could have just easily passed it off and been like, you know, that's just Chrissy. That's just her personality. But what that opportunity did is it gave me an opportunity to grow. And that's what we have from the people that we run with. So when it comes to finding your people, who you need and who needs you, you must one, pick your people. Be intentional about those people that are in your circles or maybe be intentional about the circles that you need to get out of to find new people. Two, pursue your people. Three, prioritize your people. Commit to your people. We are living in a pretty non-committal age. Right? And four, prepare a space for people to be imperfect. So it will always be easier just to brush up against one another rather than intentionally choosing to enter into one another's mess. But I promise you that it will always be worth fighting for because people matter to God. And because people matter to God, the threads of our places also matter to God. So not only do your people matter, but your places matter too. I think some of us in here are afraid to dream God-sized dreams or to ask God, God, whatever you want, what do you want to do with me? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want to send me anything you want to do? Because we're kind of scared of the answer. We're scared that maybe he's gonna like send us to some third world country or something, right? Like that's what we immediately go to in our mind and maybe we'd have to live there permanently. But Katie Davis is a girl who was 18 and she went on a missions trip to Uganda and she never knew that when she came back that she wouldn't be the same person anymore. She didn't know that at that time that God would be implanting in her a dream for a ministry that is now known as Mazama Ministries, which would be a school that would allow children living in poverty to be able to go to school, to have an education, to have the clothing that they needed and the food that they needed, but still be able to live with their families and to still have families be able to thrive. So this is just a brief little video of her story. Whole world in front of you, university, opportunities, and you end up in Uganda.
1: I had been here for three weeks on Christmas break of my senior year and just really fell in love with the people and their grace and hospitality. And So I spent a lot of time wrestling and praying about whether or not I should come back. After I finished high school and just really felt like God was leading me to come back here. And I didn't have any idea that I would make a home here, but I did decide to commit a year to teaching kindergarten at an orphanage. As I started asking more questions, it became really apparent that a lot of the children that lived there weren't there because they were orphans, but they were there because their families couldn't pay for their food or couldn't pay for their education. And so parents would send their kids kids to the orphanage just so that they would have their basic needs met. And I found that to be really devastating. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the sunshine and the wind. I really just wanted to come alongside these kids and also these families and see, you know, if they couldn't live together and still have their basic needs met. You know, I asked a lot of local friends and did some research and found that actually for very little money, you could pay for a child's schooling for the whole year. I remember calling my parents and calling friends in the states and saying, okay, for a couple hundred dollars, this is what we can do. Is that something that you would be interested in? And pretty quickly raised enough money so that the next few children in the community who were at risk of being put in the orphanage, I was able to say, hey, if you know, if I pay for your child to go to school and help you out with some food, would you would you like to keep your child at home? And unanimously, people said, yes, Uganda is a culture of family and of community. They, they love their children. They want to raise them.
0: So essentially, that's when Amazama is born, it is a ministry. Um, to Uganda.
1: And the land from about here up to behind the building is for sale. And I'm thinking of just making it like a church from a playground. It's funny, I, I never intended to start an organization or to grow it into this big thing, but I feel like God just continued to bless it and continued to bring children and families with the needs, and we were able to continue to find sponsors for these children, and it's, now it's grown into what it is today. right around that same time, right after Amazima was started was when I met Agnes and Mary in Scovia. They had lost their grandmother and needed a place to stay. So I decided to foster them temporarily as we continued to look for other relatives. And so with these three girls, I just really felt the Lord speaking that we indeed would be a family. And that's how I began the process of adopting our girls. Well,
0: Margaret. rate. Jace. I'm proud of Civita. Swim Helen. Sora. Ah, bello. Okay, so here we sit 10 years down the road. You got to ask is there anything that 28-year-old Katie uh would like to tell? 18 year old Katie.
1: There were certainly challenges and low places along the way, but God has been so faithful to our family, to Amazima as a ministry. Of course, God has been faithful to bring you and he's always provided just what we needed at just the right time. And so I think my encouragement to my 18 year old self would just be, you know, to keep seeking to love him and the next person that he places in front of you and trust him to take care of the rest Like it. Thank you. This
0: is embarrassing. This is horrible. <laughs> so I think some of you in here you find yourselves constantly dreaming about being there or what life would be like when you were finally able to move there, wherever there has been for you. You are certain that your place is the cause of your restlessness and your unhappiness. Some of you are certain that somewhere else that you would be able to be better used by God. But when you truly begin to know how much you matter, how much you are loved, and how much those around you are loved, and that we are all equally messed up and equally in need of a Savior, then you begin to see that there truly are no special places And no uniquely gifted people, just especially surrendered people. But we are quick to forget how much people matter to God. And we tend to kind of go inward. And we kind of, in church, will develop this country club type mentality. And without even realizing it, sometimes we start thinking that we are on some sort of different level than those around us. Or we somewhat need God a little bit less than our neighbor. But everywhere you go, all of the spaces and places that you enter into on any given day, everyone you meet is an eternal soul. It's crazy when you think about it like that. Preparing this message even and then just going about my days and driving around and looking around and singing, that's an eternal soul. That's an eternal soul. See, it could be where you stop to get gas every day. Or you have the same cashier every day. And we definitely know that Jesus occupies Target and Chick-fil-A and Chipotle and some of us. Um, But what about the gym? Or what about that person who sits next to you in school? Or what about that person in the cubicle next to you every day? Or what about that neighbor that you just always seem to keep running into? My third challenge for you tonight is where is God calling you to dig in and stay? And where is God calling you to go i know some people who are currently in jobs that they love and god has asked them to go i know some people who are currently in jobs that they hate and god is asking them to stay so where is god calling you to dig in i don't know where is he asking you to go i'm not here to give you the answer to that but what i am here to tell you is that god cares about our places And I hear this all the time that young people are so paralyzed to make any moves and some of you I truly believe are so earnestly and desperately seeking to know the will of God. God, just I want to be in your will. Tell me how I know that I'm in your will. It's like we wish almost like that this dove would fly out of the sky, I mean I'd even take a pigeon, with some sort of scroll in his beak or talons with a tassel and it says stay or go, right? I know I definitely would have loved to have had that happen a time or two before. But I talk to so many of you who are fearful of missing out on God's will for your life. Like it's some choice that all of a sudden is going to mysteriously get you off of this own unknown charted like course that God has laid out for your life. But I don't think that our places are our problem. I don't think our places are our problem because our purpose God's will for our life, he has already told us what his will for our life, and that was what? To love God and to love others. To love God and make him known. So however he may call you to live that out, however he may call you to put that purpose into action, whether you stay or whether you go, your calling is never dependent on your place. So I know that has to give someone in here freedom, that someone in here has been wrestling with that because I know throughout my story that God has given me the passion to inspire hope and to awaken purpose in whomever he brings into my places. And how I may do that will differ in each season, but no matter where I go, I know that is how I will love God and how I will love others. So the passions that he has placed in your heart, the story of your life that you have lived to tell and your giftings, And your talents and the threads of your sufferings, all of this was meant for you to be able to give and to show the world a big love. So no matter what places your feet currently find themselves in, there is not one place that God doesn't want to come in and invade and occupy. But it's good to take inventory every once in a while and ask, hey God, am I in the right place? But your obedience in your places has the possibility to send echoes into eternity. Your obedience in your places has the possibility to send echoes into eternity. Hal and I, we will ask this question to ourselves. Are we in God's will? The beginning of every season, we try to do that. It's more so him (laughs) leading our family well because me, I just tend to like go everywhere at one time. But are we in the place that we need to be God right now in this season, financially, physically, spiritually, where we are serving or whom we're pouring into? It's good to reevaluate that. Don't get me wrong, but I think being in the will of God is mostly about simply being willing. Just being willing. Saying, God, I'm here. I'm ready. I don't know what's next. But I'm willing See, some of us, when we're told to go, we're the type of personality that, like, we're going to take a couple steps back because we're the type that's going to, like, take the running, leap forward, and dive in headfirst. But I think a lot of us in here, we kind of just, like, tiptoe towards the side. And maybe we stick our toe in, and then we just end up kind of tripping <laughs> or falling in. But no matter how you get in, what do you do when a kid who is learning to swim in the pool and falls in the pool, what do you do? You catch them, right? So whether you're diving headfirst or you're just kind of tiptoeing and fall into the shallow end and still you're holding your nose, I believe if that we will just jump that God's will is going to catch us so we can let him be God. We can move on with what we do know about him, that he is good that he is who he says he is, and that we are who he says that we are. We are who he has created us to be, and we can stop overanalyzing what we don't know, what we may never even know on this side of heaven. Joshua 1 9, love this verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. That is our promise when we are willing. So when it comes to the threads of your places, I don't know if you're someone who you despise change or you crave change. I don't know if you feel more like Paul sitting today in what feels like a prison to you. Or maybe you're more like Joseph and you just keep finding yourself in hard place after hard place. But God has asked you to stay and to be faithful and to dig in. Or maybe you're more like Katie And he's asked you to go. Maybe asked you a long time ago, but you keep asking for like the fifth neon sign to show up. You guys, not you, maybe just me. It's okay. But I believe that most of you in here tonight, you are in the right place. And I believe you have enough ministry in your life right under your nose, but you don't think it matters and you don't think it's valuable, God. Because I think we have a tendency to kind of line up our places. When it comes to splendor or grandeur or impact, Or influence, or likes, or followers, we have to stop comparing our places because God is most after His glory. And Katie Davis, at the end of the arrow, at the end of this life, when we're all in heaven, she's not gonna be rewarded for her place. She's gonna be rewarded for her obedience and her faithfulness. So, who are your people? Who do you need, and who needs you? Where is God calling you to stay and dig in, and where is he calling you to go? You can have both in the same season. But we know that we do not risk our lives on uncomfortable things because we risk our lives on the only two things that will never die, and that is God and souls. And people will always be our greatest investment. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have again in our places and with our people to play a part in this greater story, to make you known just by loving people well and just being ourselves and who you've created us to be with all the mess of our threads that we have in our life. God, those threads hold purpose, and that is to love people well and to make you known. I pray that through small group conversations tonight, that you would just continue to open people's eyes to where you're calling them to stay and where you're calling them to go. And I pray that we would fear not, and we thank you for your promise that you will be with us, that you are with us wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.